2: This is
3: the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you, broadcasting live from Shelter in Place, my home office in Portland. And this was just introduced into the House of Representatives, a uh, headline at the top of New York Times and the Washington Post. This is on behalf of Mr. Cicilline, Ted Lieu, Mr. Raskin, Mr. Nadler, et cetera. It's been referred to the Committee on the Judiciary, but if they use a privileged motion, which it looks like they probably will, that means that it just goes right to the floor of the House and it gets voted on. Resolved that Donald John Trump, President of the United States, is impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors and that the following article of impeachment is exhibited to the United States Senate. And then it goes on to say, what that is. The Constitution, this is article one, incitement of insurrection. The Constitution provides that the House of Representatives, quote, shall have the sole power of impeachment, end quote. President of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, end quote. Further, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution prohibits any person who has, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States from holding any office under the United States, end quote. In his conduct while President of the United States and in violation of his constitutional oath, faithfully to execute the office of President of the United States and to the best of his ability to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and in violation of his constitutional duty to take care that laws be faithfully executed, Donald John Trump engaged in high crimes and misdemeanors by inciting violence against the government of the United States in that... On January 6, 2021, pursuant to the 12th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the House of Representatives, and the Senate met at the United States Capitol for a joint session of Congress to count the votes of the Electoral College. In the months preceding the joint session, President Trump repeatedly issued false statements asserting that the presidential election results were the product of widespread fraud and should not be accepted by the American people or certified by state or federal officials. Shortly before the joint session commenced, President Trump addressed a crowd at the Ellipse in Washington, D.C. There he reiterated false claims that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. That's in quotes. He also willfully made statements that in context encouraged and foreseeably resulted in lawless action at the Capitol, such as, quote, if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, end quote. Thus incited by President Trump, members of the crowd he had addressed in an attempt to, among other objectives, interfere with the joint session's solemn constitutional duty to certify the results of the 2020 presidential election, unlawfully breached and vandalized the Capitol, injured and killed law enforcement personnel, menaced members of Congress, the vice president and congressional personnel, and engaged in other violent, deadly, destructive and seditious acts." President Trump's conduct on January 6th followed his prior efforts to subvert and obstruct the certification of the results of the 2020 presidential election. These prior efforts included a phone call on January 2nd, 2021, during which President Trump urged the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, to find, quote, enough votes to overturn the Georgia presidential election results and threatened Secretary Raffensperger if he failed to do so. In all of this, President Trump gravely endangered the security of the United States and its institutions of government. He threatened the integrity of the democratic system, interfered with the peaceful transition of power, and imperiled a co-equal branch of government. He therefore betrayed his trust as president to the manifest injury of the people of the United States. Wherefore, Donald John Trump, by such conduct, has demonstrated that he will remain a threat to national security, democracy, and the Constitution if allowed to remain in office, and has acted in a manner grossly incompatible with self-governance and rule of law. Donald John Trump thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. In addition to the fact that these hearings that are going on right now in the House Rules Committee really demonstrate that the GOP, the Republican Party, is still in the bag for Trump. And these Republicans still believe that the so-called Trump base is going to give them political victory two years from now, or at least will protect them from a primary challenge two years from now, or a year from now, basically, if they stay in the Trump world, in the Trump camp, in the neo-fascist camp. And this all started with the big lie, right? Donald Trump's big lie that Washington, D.C. is corrupt. Yes. I mean, certainly there's corruption and a lot of it's fairly obvious, but but that our election system itself is corrupt. And therefore, you can't trust the outcome of an election. He started saying before 2016, before the election of 2016, that Hillary Clinton was going to win because it was rigged. He fully expected her to win. He hadn't even written an acceptance speech. He did not expect to win. He only ran for president in order to get more money out of General Electric, you know, out of NBC. We all know that. It's well documented and reported. But once he won, it was like, okay, let's flip this government he had admired strongman dictators his whole life over the last 30 years he's made most of his money from strongman dictators laundering their money through or much of his money laundering their money through his real estate operations and this goes back to the 80s when he was in bed with the mob in new york there have been five times when he could have easily been prosecuted for major crimes and if we have enough time in the third hour i'll go through that list with you but Bottom line, he started this big lie that you can't trust the results of an election in 2016, probably expecting that in 2020, he would have to use the same card again in order to try to hold the election. And that's exactly what he's doing. Oh, you can't trust the election. That's the big lie. Hitler said, actually lived it out. I think it was Himmler who said, but uh, whoever it was in the Third Reich said, if you're going to tell a lie, tell a big lie, because by its very Apparent absurdity. People will believe that. Come on, that's that's so outrageous. It must be true. And then repeat it over and over and over again. As FDR called this out in the 1930s. That's what he's doing. This is the big lie. This is a coup. Right. What happened on Wednesday was an attempted coup. Now, an attempted coup is not not a coup. You can't say it wasn't a coup. It's merely an attempted coup. These are called auto-coups, A-U-T-O-C-O-U-P. This is from the Spanish auto It's a form of coup d'etat in which a nation's leader, despite having to come to power through legal means, this is from Wikipedia, dissolves or render powerless the national legislature and unlawfully assumes extraordinary powers not granted under normal circumstances. This happened in France in 1851 with Napoleon. It happened in Chile in 1936 with Palma. It happened in the Philippines with Ferdi and uh, Imelda Marcos on September 23, 1972. It happened in South Korea with President Park Chung-hee, the military dictator who took over South Korea in October of 1972. It happened in Uruguay with Bordenberry in 1973. It happened in Peru with Fujimori in 1992. It happened in Venezuela with Maduro in 2017. And it's happening right now. Meanwhile, last night, Capitol Police briefed Congress on three potentially gruesome demonstrations. This is from Huffington Post by uh, Matt Fuller, planned in the, next coming, in the coming days, with one being a plot to encircle the U.S. Capitol and assassinate Democrats and some Republicans. On a private call Monday night, new leaders of the Capitol Police told House Democrats they were closely monitoring these plans the first is a demonstration billed as quote the largest armed protest ever to take place on American soil. I got a banner about that this morning. Michael Moore is sharing this with people. You check out his website and you'll see it. Another is a protest in honor of Ashley Babbitt, the woman, the Trump supporter who was killed by a Capitol police officer trying to storm the speaker's lobby. And a third one would involve insurrectionists forming a perimeter around the Capitol, the White House, and the Supreme Court, and then blocking Democrats from entering the Capitol, perhaps even killing them, so that Republicans can take control of the government on January 20th. And the members of Congress said that the Capitol Police said that this is deadly serious stuff. Meanwhile, they've identified, there's, as they're starting to identify the people who were participating in this uh, riot, In this seditious act on Wednesday, they're discovering startling numbers of police. So far, they have found not only lawyers and CEOs, but off-duty police officers and former law enforcement officers from Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, California, Texas, Virginia, and Washington State. Seattle police have put two officers on administrative leave. Many of the uh, really extraordinary photos that you've seen about what happened with that Capitol Hill insurrection siege, the mob, came from Ron Haviv. He's a contributor to the New Republic and a war photographer who embedded with the mob during the Capitol riot. He writes for the New Republic, newrepublic.com. His Twitter handle is Ron Haviv, H-A-V-I-V, or at New Republic, but uh, I would say at Ron Haviv. And Ron, welcome to the program And thanks so much for being with us. It seems to me that there are at least three groups of people who were participating in this. There were the, what I refer to as kind of the suckers, the people who believed Donald Trump when he said that, Barack Obama wasn't a legitimate American and therefore wasn't legitimately elected, who believed Donald Trump four years ago when he said three million illegal immigrants voted for Hillary Clinton and the elections are rigged, and who believed him this time and showed up, you know, in good faith thinking that the country was something nasty was going on, number one. Number two, there were the people who are just looking for a riot. You know, the Yahoo, wannabe, militia, confederate, cosplayers basically and then number three you had people who were serious trained armed professionals essentially who were on a mission to kill or capture people in the capital and giving trump the power to invoke the end of habeas corpus and therefore the end of the american republic as lincoln did during the civil war what are your thoughts on those divisions and what you saw
0: it was definitely um you could divide it up to some degree, to those groups. I mean, definitely the pure believers in Trump who came first to the Ellipse and then marched to the Capitol and people that were not specifically there to engage in violence, but to show their numbers and hope that there would be some sort of response. Then you had Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, First America, and other people like that who were there to do the same thing, but to kind of take it one step further. In terms of your grouping of the third, in terms of sort of professionals and people that really knew what they were doing, Probably, I would say to some degree they were there, but certainly when you look at what happened they certainly didn't execute anything very well most of it that was going on the kind of the clashes plus the entering of the building whether through windows or through open doors was a mix of all of the different people and when you see mm-hmm. in actuality the amount of violence that took place while dramatic without question certainly could have been a lot worse from both sides the Protesters themselves could have been a lot more violent, and certainly the response from the Capitol Police and others could have been also a lot more violent. So I think, you know, we are pretty lucky that more people were not hurt and more people did not die during this conflict.
3: I saw a post, and I can't vouch for the accuracy of this, which is always dangerous, but Team Trump News is posting over on Parler. This was posted 20 hours ago, presumably from Donald Trump. Dear Patriots, when Nancy Pelosi contacted the Joint Chiefs to request the nuclear codes be kept from me, it appears she committed a seditious act. Her attempts to interfere in my administration are a national security threat. We are looking at the various federal criminal statutes we'll use to charge her. Some of the penalties include up to 20 years in prison and in some cases the death penalty. We also have evidence that she has connections to the Chinese Communist Party, which will lead to additional charges, whether he wrote this specifically or not it sure looks like the Trump administration is not backing down in this. When you were part of that mob, when you were you know, swept into this whole thing, did you hear anything about what might happen on January 20th? It seems to me like Donald Trump announcing to his followers that he won't be there on the 20th was almost his way of saying, okay, do what you want here.
0: Well, yeah, I think the 20th and the days before are completely up in the air. I don't think we really have any idea exactly what's going on. There's certainly lots of conversations about you know january seventeenth, 17 being the, the number of the letter q there's going to be things happening that day there's been a call for a million uh, militia march on the 20th to block biden and his uh, administration from entering the white house i think it's it's completely we're in unknown territory here and then of course the response there will be thousands of national guard on the street plus all the other groups trying to protect the inauguration and i think based on what we saw that even though when everybody seems to know what's going to happen, nobody really knows what is going to happen. So we're really in uncharted territory here.
3: Did you have any conversations with any of the people who were there during the uh, the siege of the Capitol?
0: I didn't because I was trying very hard not to sort of identify or not to identify myself as a member of the media, given that they are obviously very anti-media. During the speech earlier that day, the president blamed the media numerous times for everything that was going on. And of course, numerous media were attacked and stopped from doing their work. What I can say from the conversations that I overheard and the chanting that I heard, they were very deliberate, felt like this was their house. They thought that the police were traitors. They thought that they should be allowed to do what they want because they felt and believed that Black Lives Matter when they protested were allowed to do whatever they want, which, of course, isn't true. But they completely believed in what they were doing. The only issue was the majority of people, when they entered, had no idea what to do when they were inside, which is why you sort of had people kind of doing the tour. You had people talking to the police and asking where the bathroom was. You had people going to the police and asking where Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi's office were. It was like a very kind of very surreal scene. We had people dressed up as pandas, people dressed up as shamans, mixed in with, you know, serious very seriously angry people screaming at police, uh, looking for Mike Pence at one point. It was kind of a mix of many different things, kind of depending on the hallway that you went down or the different part of the building that you were in, you'd be experiencing a completely different uh, act of protest, sedition, depending on whatever winds up being defined as their actions.
3: I understand there were several hours... Where Congressman from Maryland, Steny Hoyer, was begging the Republican governor of Maryland to send, which is right next door, I mean, uh, Washington, D.C., parts of Washington, D.C., used to be parts of Maryland, literally, you know, right across the river or right across the road, begging them to send the National Guard in, and the governor of Maryland saying, I can't do that without authorization from the Department of Defense, and they're not answering their phone and they're refusing to give me authorization. So there were several hours there where there was basically no federal response at all. And then when the FBI went in to take out the body of that woman who died, I think there was 18 FBI agents who took her out. They didn't go back into the building. They left it alone for another hour. How long were you in there and what was your sense of what actually turned the tide?
0: When did it lose steam? It lost steam basically when I think the National Guard arrived and other reinforcements arrived. The police felt that they had enough power to push out the protesters. I think before that, they made a concerted decision not to be arresting people because that would just basically anger people more and cause more problems, and they couldn't defend any territory that they had. And so they basically were waiting for what should have been there from the beginning, just more more forces and forces that were better equipped. I mean, the Capitol Police were using pepper spray, which hurt having been sprayed along with with the other people, but certainly was not enough to defend the building or stop people from going and flashbangs and so on. And again, going back to this idea that it could have been a lot more violent to their credit. I mean, while, of course, one woman was shot, they had the opportunity, obviously, to open fire on these protesters. For the most part, seemed unarmed in terms of ammunition and guns and so on. They had sticks and other things, and obviously other people were found later to have more weapons. But basically, this could have turned into a, a very serious mass casualty event. And I think that both sides, again, while this was incredibly crazy and violent, this could have been much worse. And so I think when they finally, towards around four o'clock, once they determined that there was going to be a curfew and that was set up and more people arrived, they were able to physically push people by just having more people. And I think also yeah. the majority of protesters at that point were tired. It's been already a long yeah, day. Yeah, it
3: was, what, four hours on at that point. And
0: yeah, exactly.
3: Ron Haviv, you can read about it. The headline is, A war photographer embeds with the Capitol Hill mob over at newrepublic.com. You can tweet Ron at Ron H-A-V-I-V. Ron, thanks so much for dropping by. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great talking with you. Keep up the great work. There's some really, really extraordinary photos you can see over there at the New Republic. Right now, the House Rules Committee is debating, sending the bill demanding Mike Pence invoke the 25th Amendment. And Jim Jordan keeps saying, oh, but we were only trying to say that we didn't like the fact that some states changed their rules to let more people, you know, to give people more days to vote because of the COVID epidemic. And everybody else is saying, you're just perpetuating the big lie that the election was rigged. It wasn't rigged. So anyhow, we're going to go right to um, that House committee and uh, play some of some of that for you. Mr. Here it Jordan, is right uh, now.
2: Yes, you and Mr. Cole and I on this side are the ones who uh, served with Mike Pence. I served with him for 10 years. I certainly hold him in, in very high regard, as has been pointed out by Mr. Cole. I trust his judgment. I Understand like you that he's already discounted the possibility of, of uh, conforming to what this uh, this resolution today requires. But I guess my observation would be, if we trust him with that, uh, with the ability to make that decision, we also trust him. But if he says that decision is not necessary, would I be out of line to say that? No.
1: No, no. Uh, uh, I think you'd be right in line. Um, Mike Pence is a defender of the Constitution, and I don't think he needs Congress to tell him how to interpret the Constitution. Um, he's and as as you've indicated, he's indicated where he uh, stands on this issue.
2: I uh, thank the gentleman, uh, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted their observation on the way in today. Uh, speaking with some of the members of the Capitol Police, it's it's pretty clear that they're they're hurting and hurting significantly. So. I encourage all of my colleagues to take a moment and uh, on our way in and out of the building, let them know how much we appreciate them, appreciate their service. Um, Not only do they keep us safe safe, and our staff safe when the doors are open to the Capitol again, the public is allowed in to keep the public safe. So they do do a tremendous job for the country and we don't thank them enough and I'll yield back.
6: Yeah. Thank you. Let me let me just let me just say for the record, uh, and I I don't want to speak to Mr. Raskin, but nobody is saying that you cannot uh, utilize the process that is uh, that is before us. This is not about uh, the objection. It is about, quite frankly, the lie that was told to the American people, uh, you know, leading up to the present day, which resulted in uh, the terrible events that took place in the Capitol last Wednesday. I mean, I think you could do the country a great service if you just say the five words, the election was not stolen. I, that, would be, that, would, that would help in terms of healing. Tweet that instead of some of the other stuff that uh, gets put on Twitter, because that was at the heart of what that angry mob uh, was here for, because they heard the president, they heard members of Congress appear at rallies claiming that the election was stolen, and um, and so I mean there that's that's the difference here. And so let, let's be clear. I now yield to uh, uh, Mr. Perlmutter. Uh
7: Thanks, Mr. Chair. Um, this is uh, one of the most solemn hearings I've uh, could ever even imagine uh, participating in. Um, What happened uh, last Wednesday is of a nightmare, uh, one that I never even had that nightmare. And I just remember four years ago, I was sitting next to a couple Republican colleagues as uh, President Trump was being inaugurated, and I... Turned to them and I said, was was he your
3: candidate? This is uh, Ed Perlmutter. He's the Democrat from Colorado's 7th district.
7: The two of them turned to me and said, well, we had 16 candidates. Was he your choice? And he said, we had 16 candidates and he was our 17th choice. Well, I think their assessment was pretty good. That uh, he has uh, damaged America, damaged republic, damaged The Constitution, and I know for me, uh, pursuing this resolution, asking Vice President Pence to invoke the Twenty-Fifth Amendment for the potential for a second impeachment were the last things in the world I wanted to do, and I couldn't even imagine what would prompt me to do it, except. A mob rioted and attacked the United States of America as represented by the Capitol of the United States of America.
3: This is the debate in the House Rules Committee about a resolution calling on Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and immediately remove Donald Trump as President of the United States. By and large, what's happening is the Democrats are pointing out what's going on, and the Republicans keep saying, but uh, Pennsylvania extended the deadline for absentee balloting by three days because of the pandemic. This is the Tom Hartman program. In other words, Republicans are refusing to acknowledge the big lie or even say that Joe Biden won fairly. They're refusing to do it. It's amazing.
7: Yeah, today. And this
3: is Ed Perlmutter of Colorado.
7: Somewhat consoled Mr. Jordan by your statement that Joe Biden won the election and he will be inaugurated next week. And as somebody who came in with me, I would ask, please repeat that and repeat that and repeat that, sir, uh, to avoid the trouble that we all see brewing over the course of the next week. We're not here to invoke the 25th Amendment against any members of Congress. Uh, Those that chose to object, they objected. we're here to say that Congress believes, even in these waning days of this administration, that the president is not capable of discharging his duties for the people, for all of us. And I know I wasn't in the middle of the chamber or in the gallery, just I was in my office waiting to come to the floor, because COVID is a background, all of this. But I do know each and every one of us the Capitol Hill police, our staff, the maintenance workers, the cafeteria workers, everybody was traumatized at some level. And the number two and three people in our government in succession, the vice president, then the speaker of the House of the United States of America were particular targets of this attack of this mob, and I can't, I I don't know how they may have been affected uh, by this, but I do know that everybody's been traumatized. So I would just say sort of uh, from one lawyer to another, Mr. Jordan, in in a cross-examined sort of way, isn't it true that Joe Biden won the election?
1: Uh, yes, he's gonna be president. Um and I've I've never said as the as the chairman indicated earlier, I've never said that this election was stolen. What I've said very clearly is Mr. Trump, Mr. Half Jordan, the elect, Mr half the electorate, yeah. half the electorate, both Republicans yeah. and Democrats have concerns and we should for an investigation. Mr. Jordan,
7: Mr Jordan, it was a simple question. Isn't it true? Joe Biden won the election. Yes or no?
1: Yes, he won. I mean I, I don't know how many times yes. I have to say it. Okay. Yes, he won, but there are serious problems with this election that deserve an investigation, and that's what I've called for. And it's not just Republicans who think that. Okay. Countless number of Democrats think that this thing had problems too. We have called for an Jordan, investigation. But Mr. you guys don't want to do it. No investigation. Mr. End of story. Never mind the fact that a third of it. Well, when you ask me a question, I got to give an answer. I didn't. I
7: asked you a yes or no. I asked you a yes or no questions, please. We're trying to bring this nation back together. Jim, geez. I really just want to bring this back together. I don't like these resolutions. I support them. We had damage injury to this nation the likes of which we haven't seen for centuries and i just want the people to know from somebody who's in a leadership position as you are that joe biden won the election tom harris Won the election. Their so Ed Perlmutter,
3: the Democrat from Colorado, is still elects, begging Jim Jordan be to simply say Joe Biden won the election, election fair and square. Here it goes.
7: And vice president on January 20th.
1: You didn't know said yes. that? Yes. You didn't know okay. that? The, pres- the President of the United States has said that. Okay, it's going, to happen. The next, going to be a that's, transfer of power. But you guys, that's don't, all. You guys don't all I want. Uniting this country. You want to impeach Ms. the president? You want to look at the Twenty Fifth Amendment?
7: Mrs. The president of the United States Mrs. Clear. Lesko, Mrs. Lesko can ask you questions, and you can add what sure you want. We've sure got. Will. Look, I'm not trying to bark at you.
1: Well, you, you could have.
7: No, me. <laughs> I'm not barking at you. I just need to have a declarative statement from you so that we can potentially get through the next week without more violence. Okay. That's all I'm asking you. Okay. I mean, you and I have been here together for a long time. You know, and, and we've worked together on things and we've been opposed on
1: things. That's true. I appreciate it. Thank you. And
7: and, you know, I think we have a responsibility that rises above so many things to let people know that, yeah, we can work together and we do work together. And that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will take the reins of the administration
1: next week. Let's work together on condemning all violence all the time. Let's work together on bringing the country together Let's work together over the next week through this transition, as our country has always done. Let's work together on that. That's that's the right attitude. And that's the attitude I have. And I think that's the attitude the president of the United States has. So let's focus on that.
7: To the gentleman from Ohio, I'm with you. Okay? We've worked on a lot of things. We've been in a lot of hearings. We've done it. We've been uh, colleagues now for 15 years. Thank you. And, you know, I mean, I think uh, Dr. Burgess, uh, he's left, but he uh, he made a good point. French Hill and I are co-sponsors of a resolution honoring uh, the Capitol Hill police. And uh, particularly the two gentlemen who've lost their lives.
1: I support that resolution. And I think all of us will. The
7: police force was brave. The police force was there. They were under, manned, understaffed, under, they, they didn't have the equipment or the gear that they should have in facing that
3: Wow. So this is kind yeah, of devolving no, no, into a, a discussion, as it were, and, and I think the, the really important point that needs to be made over and over and over again, and Jim Jordan is still playing weasel words here, even though um, the congressman from Colorado is starting to try to play kumbaya, is that, said- yes, in states all over the country, because of the coronavirus pandemic, states changed or suspended various rules that had to do with what window within which people could early vote, what window within which people could send in absentee ballots. None of that should have had any impact on the outcome of the election. If more people can vote, more Democrats can vote and more Republicans can vote. It's an equal opportunity thing. But the Republicans, and Jim Jordan in particular here in this hearing, and you just heard him do it, he's been doing it for 45 minutes now that I've been watching, keeps saying, oh, but uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, they extended that uh, deadline for three days. I mean, he didn't literally say that. He kept saying, we have questions, we have doubts, we have concerns, because they changed the rules, and that was unconstitutional. And that that has nothing to do with this. That is pure false equivalency. The argument that Donald Trump is making and that Jim Jordan, with his weasel words, is refusing to rebut is that the changes that were made in election rules to accommodate the coronavirus, the pandemic, that those changes led to a rigged election and not just those changes. Trump is saying that the whole thing was corrupt, including Republican officials in the state of Georgia. They're all corrupt and they all conspired against Donald Trump. That's what Trump is saying. And Jim Jordan has not yet addressed that. And of course, won't address that. And no Republican will so far, except Mitt Romney. Which is astonishing. You see, it's all one thing. The guys beating a police officer in the Capitol building to death with a fire extinguisher. Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley saying, we object to certifying the election of Joe Biden. Kevin McCarthy, the leader of the the Republicans in the House, joining them in that objection. And right now, Jim Jordan saying, oh, but, you know, they changed the rules in Pennsylvania. This is all the same thing. Donald Trump calling up Raffensperger, the secretary of state in Georgia, and first begging and uh, sweet-talking him to try to get him to find a little over 10,000 votes so that he can be named the majority winner for the state. Donald Trump's illegal attempt to overturn an election, which is defined by the law as sedition, which is what they want to impeach him for. Donald Trump's effort to do that and what Jim Jordan is doing this morning are the same thing, and they're the same thing as the, guy, as the mob beating a police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. It's all one thing, and that one thing is an attempt to overthrow the duly elected government of the United States and replace it with an oligarchy, with a fascistic government led by Donald Trump and funded by American right-wing oligarch billionaires. That's what's going on here. And we need to be very,
1: very clear about it.
0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
3: podcast. Mike in Fresno, California. Hey, Mike, what's up?
0: Hey, I believe that the Capitol Police were set up ABC News is reporting that the permit for the rally, Donald Trump's rally, was submitted by Women for America First. So Yes, this
3: was Jenny Thomas's they, group, the uh, wife of uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And she and her group helped pay for about 80 buses to bring people into the
0: rally. You know, the permit, they send the paperwork to the Capitol and they were expecting, you know, a thousand women, not a thousand men with flags. So I think they were completely unprepared for that because
3: I disagree, the disagree they got was wrong. I disagree, okay. I mean, I could see just from looking at Facebook and Twitter that there was going to be a lot of people coming to Washington, D.C., and they were seriously pissed off, and some of them were calling for violence. I mean, if I could see that, the FBI could see that. The Capitol Police could see that. They have their own intelligence service. They could figure it out. I believe that A, the Capitol Police have been infiltrated by believers of this conspiracy and that B, Donald Trump instructed his secretary of defense to withhold the uh, National Guard from that area and not to provision any kind of federal troops in the area. And then you've got the problem that the city of Washington, D.C. could not send their police in. Muriel Bowser could not do it because that's federal property and federal properties policed by federal agents. So all of the federal agencies, except the Capitol Police, were under Donald Trump's control. The Capitol Police are supervised by Congress, but Congress doesn't have day-to-day say over what they do. Congress arguably should have said, get your act together, guys, in advance. And in retrospect, they probably will in the future, but they didn't get snookered, Mike. If they did, they are the world's greatest idiots because this was on display for everyone to see. And I think that makes it even worse. So, anyhow, Nils in uh, Portland, Oregon. Hey, Nils, what's up?
4: This business about the Pentagon has put out a press release saying that the attempted takedown of the Constitution was a free speech protest. Correct. First Amendment protest. Yeah. All right, First Amendment protest. Now, there's an important distinction here. I mean, was this coming from somebody like a Trump humper, like Christopher Miller, the acting secretary of defense, or one of the other high-level civilian Trump humpers that Trump put in there? Or was this coming from the uniformed military? There's a huge thing here. This was an official
3: release from the Pentagon, an official Mm -hmm. press release. And it came from the office of the secretary of defense. And it said that Mm -hmm. Wednesday's events were First Amendment protests. I don't have the entire thing here.
4: From what you just said, Tom, it sounds to me like it's coming from Christopher Miller and those people who are Trump humpers, who are civilian people at the top in the right. DOD. Uh, it sounds like that, and
3: that looks that That's way, kind yes. of to
4: be expected. That's kind of to be expected. I took a course when I was at university. Read a book by a guy named Hans J. Morgenthau, Politics Among Nations, and one of the main points in that book is that in order to keep the peace among nations, you have to have balance of power. It is the only thing that works long-term consistently. The same applies, I would submit, in a fractured society like we have here, like it or not. And I'm telling you, Tom, if the liberals are not arming up, we are going to have a civil war because the other side has the guns and they're going to come for us. If we don't understand this, we're making the same mistake the Jews made in Germany in the 30s. So, anyway.
3: You know, I can't speak to that, Nils. I don't think that the United States is on the verge of a civil war. I think that our institutions will hold. Civil wars typically happen when government is very weak, typically, you know, around the world. But what we were on the verge of, and I think still will be until January 21st, is a coup is the takeover of the federal government by Donald Trump and his right-wing forces. And again, I don't think that you or me having a gun is going to do anything about that, except that typically when coups like that happen, like when Hitler took over Germany, what did they do? They started looking for people to
2: kill. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: But in that case, the they wasn't just the brown shirts, it was also the government itself, which makes it very popular. Well things are happening. Again, the phone number for Congress, should you want to weigh in and share your thoughts with your or any other elected member, is 202-224-3121. It gets you both the House and the Senate. It's the switchboard, the Capitol switchboard. Just to recap very, very quickly. I am of the opinion that the 70-plus million people who voted for Donald Trump the tens of thousands of people who have showed up in protests and rallies in favor of Trump and against the inauguration of Joe Biden in state capitals and in Washington, D.C., that this movement would not even exist in its current form if it wasn't for right-wing media and Republican politicians who thought that they could just ride this train for a while. You know, hey, we'll get the base vote. These people love Trump. We'll get them on our side. That'll get me reelected. I'll have more power and I'll make more money and I'll get a bigger multi-million dollar paycheck as a lobbyist when I retire from Congress and they'll give millions to my campaigns and I can use that money in all kinds of ways and I can travel around the world for free on it. This is how these Republican senators and members of the House were thinking. Well, you know, yeah, Trump's a little nutty, but we can just go along with him and it'll everything'll be fine. And now everything's not fine. And the movement has not just established itself, it has deep roots. The FBI just issued a notice. ABC News reporter Aaron Katursky pushed this out. This is from the FBI, quote, Armed protests are being planned in all 50 state capitals from 16 January through at least 20 January, and at the U.S. Capitol from 17 January through 20 January that if Congress attempts to remove POTUS via the 25th Amendment, a huge uprising will occur. I'm reading from the FBI bulletin. The bulletin goes on to say that one particular group of Trump supporters, quote, this uh, quoting from the FBI, quote, is calling for storming, and the FBI puts that words in quotes, storming state, local, and federal government courthouses and administrative buildings in the event President Trump is removed prior to Inauguration Day. Just imagine if this was on the other side. If you had become convinced that Republicans had stolen an election and were planning on literally transforming America into a fascist state, would you not protest? Jared, and Jared, before you talk, just, just I mean, I would let's everything. consider who the real villains are here. Jared, what's up? I would do everything in my power to stop it. Because exactly. that
8: makes sense. I mean, you just keep repeating these big lies over and over And over again. It's the Pied
3: uh, Pipers, not the children.
8: Nobody's calling this stuff out. And I'm sick of it. I'm I'm done with this stuff. Like, let me tell you, I had a guy come into my job like a day ago. And he was spouting stuff about the Illuminati and the Rothschilds. There's going to be a 10-day blackout now. And that Trump enacted the Insurrection Act. And I was like, sir, what? where are you getting this information from, one? And two, what if you're completely wrong about everything you just said? And he didn't have an answer for anything I said. Mm. It's like this conspiracy theory stuff has got to stop at this point. Yeah. It really is the threat to civilization. You know, civilization.
3: Cumulus, Cumulus and iHeart Radio are the two big radio networks in the country, you know, control probably 80 or 90% of the, thousand plus right wing radio stations. And Cumulus, a couple of days ago, issued a memo to all of their employees. Now this would be probably not the nationally syndicated shows, but all their local talk show hosts, because there's literally hundreds of local right wing talk show hosts across America. There's a few dozen progressive talk show hosts across America and some really good ones too. But nonetheless, issued this memo saying that, I'm paraphrasing, Now is the time to inform people that the election was fair and honest and the count was accurate and that we need to get on with life. It's a little barn door meet horse stuff, but at least one media agency has realized that they may have some role and some liability, frankly, in this whole thing. I'm telling you, this is the same thing that happened in Germany in the early 30s, when the conservatives in the parliament thought they could go along with Hitler and just use him and his popularity to keep their own power. And look how it turned out. Jared, thank you. Thank you for the call. Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's up?
8: Hi, Tom. I want people to remember the name Ryan McCarthy. He is the secretary of the army. He was in the chain of command. He was the man who was delaying the deployment of the National Guard. He had to sign off. He was also the same person that deployed Black Hawk helicopters on peaceful demonstrators in Washington, D.C., in the streets in 2019, which <clears throat> sparked a major investigation among the inspector generals of the National Guard and the and the Army. He's a toady of Trump. Jonathan, hang Wait on is- just a
3: second. I think you may have one of those facts wrong. My understanding is that in order for for, and I believe Donald Trump's understanding was, that in order for federal forces like the National Guard or or any kind of federal force to be deployed to the Capitol building required a sign-off from the Secretary of Defense, and Nancy Pelosi was trying to reach the Secretary of Defense, and he never took her call, and instead, she got a call from the Secretary of the Army, who authorized it. Am I wrong?
8: Well, okay, so in fairness, right? I mean, we I only her know what her say we that on read. television. Yeah, in, in fairness, we only know what we read. ProPublica just did an excellent article explaining the chain of command. It's entitled, mm-hmm. Before Mobs Stormed the Capitol, Days of Security Planning Involved Cabinet Officials. It was published January 9th. There are other articles, too. NPR just did a story, too, about how it was the Army Secretary that was at the top of the chain of command. So it's the Army Secretary, <laughs> Ryan McCarthy. Who was in control of that? And there was a general underneath him that they were speaking with at the time. And that's what I've read. Uh, So, you know, that's all I know. Mm -hmm. But I do know that Ryan McCarthy was also at a controversy when peaceful protesters encountered Black Hawk helicopters, two helicopters, where the ACLU filed a lawsuit against the National Guard and the Army because they flew down 45 feet from the ground, and the rotor wash broke tree branches. These are tactics that you use in combat. So I'm saying that Ryan McCarthy is someone that we need to look at, and there are people inside that are taking Trump's orders, and that's based on what I've read in NPR, Military Times, Army Times, ProPublica, mm-hmm. ACLU. If
3: your point, Jonathan, is that this is not over, this coup attempt is not over, and they're going to try again, and they're going to try multiple times between now and the 20th of January to prevent Joe Biden from becoming president, if that's your point and that no, people the people inside the Trump administration no, no, are that's, aiding that's, and abetting it, I would agree with that.
8: Well, I don't think there's going to be any more coup attempts. There are 6,000. National Guard being deployed in Washington, D.C. As we speak, they're going to be armed, according to the Military Times. I think when Trump's out of office, Mr. McCarthy will be gone, along with Mr. Miller, who is the acting defense secretary, who's also a toady, and has uh, his assistant was a assistant for uh, Devin Nunes. So it'll go fine. There's no civil war. There's just little proxy wars going on. Well, let's hope that you're
3: absolutely right, Jonathan. I really and truly do. I really and truly hope that that's the case. I'm not confident that it's the case, but I'm hopeful.
5: House, I really do believe... And we're
3: back. This is Representative Debbie Lesko, the Republican from Arizona, representing uh, Arizona's 8th District. ...divide
5: our country, further the unrest, and possibly incite more violence. On this 25th Amendment bill, particularly, I agree with Representative Cole. I mean, if you have faith enough in the vice president to become the acting president, as you call for in this 25th Amendment, why don't you have as much faith in him to do make a decision on the 25th Amendment. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I call on my Democratic colleagues. I do think we need to heal the nation. And you won, okay? You won the presidency. You, you have a controlling vote in the Senate. You have a majority in the House. Why continue this? It's, it's just going to cause more divisiveness I, I really honestly do not understand so
3: her message basically uh, is oh my god I we need to, to heal the country up stop picking on trump let's
5: move on in like a little more more than a week president you know biden will be the president so please let's just move on and heal our country and with that i yield well no i don't yield back i actually asked mr jordan uh, since he was trying to say things and would get interrupted sometimes, do you have anything more you would like to say?
1: Here we go to Jim Jordan <laughs> of Ohio. So the only chance we could have a debate was on January 6, that date that the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said is the ultimate date of significance in the process that the Constitution lays out for us to follow. We did all that. So we had that debate. There were objections made. Those objections came up for a vote. The objectors didn't prevail. Vice President Biden is now President-elect Biden and will be sworn in as president. The country, the country understands how that process works now, but I think they'd appreciate it more if we'd actually looked into this election. That's still, again, half the electorate, Republicans and Democrats have concerns about, have doubts about. That is not healthy for our country. So moving forward together, unifying the country should involve some kind of investigation where we looked at issues that arose in several states. Uh, and that's all we were trying to point out on election day. I was clear about that all the way through as were so many of our colleagues. And I think frankly, um, that's what we should focus on as we move forward. I, I uh,
6: appreciate the gentlelady's uh, question.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I yield
6: back. Thank you, Let me let me just say to Ms. Lesko, I want to be very clear here. This is not about winning and losing and vengeance or... Th- this is about truth. And as I said at the very beginning, I think if we really want to heal this nation, we need truth uh, and we need accountability. And to Mr. Jordan, this is the most investigated election govern. in the history of the world. I mean, recount after the... Re- He's from Massachusetts Congress, and the rules right committee Congress. chair. <laughs> and the recount... And the reason why that there's a percentage of the American people that have doubts is because the president of the United States and the gentleman from Ohio and others have gone have spent the last months saying that this election was stolen. And so I go back to what I said before, the five words that would be helpful for you to tweet or to say, whatever, this election was not stolen. And I think that is, because that is what fueled this terrible episode on wednesday um, and by the way the president continues uh, to do that i mean uh, you might want to look at his comments uh... uh... today as well uh, so uh, you know we're we're still very concerned about what happens in the next few days and i'd not like to yield general uh, right now jim
3: mcgovern is speaking actually i'm gonna i'm gonna cut away from this now because it's become incredibly predictable Jim McGovern is the Democrat from Massachusetts who is the chair of the House Rules Committee which is debating this resolution to ask Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. He keeps begging, begging Republican members of his committee to simply say the election wasn't stolen. Donald Trump lost the election. The election wasn't stolen. That magic part, the election was not stolen. He keeps begging them to say that. And none of them will say that in those words. Jim Jordan is like, Joe Biden is elected president, and he's going to be sworn into office in a few days, in just a week. And Debbie Lesko, uh, you know, same thing. And, And none of them will say, at least that I've seen in the last hour I've been watching this hearing, it looks like the Republicans have unified around one talking point which is we have concerns. And all across America the Trumpies are hearing we still think the election was stolen. And Jordan keeps repeating these talking points and I, it's just it's it's obscene. It's insane. I wrote a piece this morning for uh, my daily rant slash blog over at TomHartman.medium.com. The headline is, you know, will the Trump train, will this third coup attempt be successful? The first coup attempt, of course, led to the Civil War. The second coup attempt was when they tried to arrest and possibly assassinate, certainly kidnap Franklin D. Roosevelt and install a fascist in the White House. And that happened in 1933 and then this is the third coup attempt right the third attempt to overturn the duly elected government of the united states and i laid that out in fact my new book the hidden history of american oligarchy reclaiming our democracy from the ruling class it's coming out in three weeks and it's literally all about this the rise of fascism in the south in the era from 1820 to 1860 and the oligarchy that collided with american democracy in 1860 leading to the civil war The rise of oligarchs in the 1920s during the so-called Roaring Twenties, and how they collided with American democracy with the election of FDR, and they tried to enlist Smedley Butler and 100,000 men to seize, I mean, literally, you know, storm the Capitol with zip ties, or the White House with zip ties, right? This is what they were, they were actually planning this. Smedley Butler blew the whistle on them, he later wrote a book about it. And then Congress started holding hearings on it, and at that point FDR said, we don't want other people getting any ideas, let's not have these hearings. And so they just backed off, and it's become a footnote of history. But it was a big deal. And now it's happening again. And every time it happens, it's right-wing fascists trying to take down a democratically elected, and I'm not talking about Democratic party trying to take down a government elected through the the democratic process in our republic, that is elections. And it is nuts.
2: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.